for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is the day after Christmas, December 26, 2023. Hopefully everybody out there had an awesome Christmas. Don't know how many people are going to listen to this the day after Christmas, but hey, we got to do it because we're podcasters. We're going to bring it to you. Today is our last episode of 2023, and we've done 109 episodes this year. It's been a lot. We've had a lot of fun doing it. Today's episode is basically going to be a recap of our season. Not going to be getting into the nitty gritty of each you know hunt because we've done that on our season series. We're going to be talking about takeaways, scouting, you know, how many sits we had, the year we had, because for both of us, it's been a banger year. And I think, David, you even said, like, this is, this is a year that you would want to repeat over and over. If I knew I could have this year each year, this is the one I'd want it to be. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's you, you look back at the notes and you start going over it and, you know, it may feel like, you know, as we talk about this later on, it may feel like, man, I didn't get to hunt a lot, but the quality of hunts was just over the top. But it's it's been a heck of a year, man. It sure has. It definitely has. And uh, with that being said, I do want to get into a couple partner reads here real quick before we get into it. We're not going to have a long, lengthy, um, you know, intro because we're just we just want to get into this. So first, Latitude Outdoors. Guys, we have our new merch line out uh, along with in my opinion, the best mobile gear on the market. If you use the code the fall podcast, it'll save you 15% off on your, on everything right there. So go to the website, the fall or not the fall podcast, go to latitudeoutdoors.com. Use the code the fall podcast to save money. Helix broadheads is the next one fall HX 10 to save you money on the FJ two or the FJ four. Or if you need to get a new sharpener, you can do that as well. Exodus Outdoor Gear is next in line. Use the code TF at exodusoutdoorgear.com. 
You can check out their AT&T 4G LTE rival cell cam that's got a 3.3 trigger speed, uh, real-time data and video uploads, no additional cost for HD photos. You can also get the five-year BS, the, the no BS warranty with theft and damage coverage and the 4G LTE booster antenna. Get signal where the signal is less than ideal at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Next in line is Garmin. Uh, still till the, you know, I guess I shouldn't say to the end of the year, that's Buck Bourbon, but they still have the sale going on for free shipping on any order over $25. So if you want a site, you want an inReach, you want a watch, you want the chronograph, you want anything from them, golfing watches, hunting watches, style, fitness, whatever it is, go to Garmin.com, order it and uh, save. You can do it right on their website. You can save $25. On uh, or you can save shipping, free shipping, <laughs> on all over over twenty five dollars. So, uh, Buck Bourbon is next. Use the code TFP twenty to get some awesome products from Buck Bourbon. The Distiller's Knife Kit we've talked about a lot. The Rackhouse Ground Blinds, the Mineral or Attractant if it is legal in your state, and the Food Plot Seed. They also have seasoning blends for meats or if you're you know into cooking stuff like that. They have swag as well. Check them out at buckbourbon.com. Use the code TFP20 to save some money. Next is Prime, G5 Prime, uh, the all-new RVX series bow, the stability built in, the center grip riser. You know, you can hold on target for 60% longer. It's crazy. They have a lot of different camo and color options. You can do the G-Fade look now, which David and I have seen in person now, and it is legit. It is badass. I almost wish I would have did the G-Fade now, but uh, and I still might. And there's a chance I still might, but, uh, you can mix and match your limb and your riser colors. Uh, you know, check them out at g5prime.com or your local prime or G5 dealer. Lastly, but certainly not least America's best bowstrings. Use the code the fall for quality perfection and peace of mind. You can get the premium, the platinum or the pursuit series strings, tons of different color options with twist with speckles or solids. Check them out at America's best bowstrings dot com okay there now, it was there it is that's that's keeping the lights on baby so let's uh let's get into this <laughs> this sweet little tuesday after christmas uh like i said hopefully you guys had a great christmas and hopefully your families are healthy because i can tell you right now a year ago today uh my daughter was down and out she was in a bad way sick we were snowed in um we got a big snowstorm last year we couldn't even get out of our driveway we're literally <laughs> We are figuring like if we had to go to the doctor or the hospital for my daughter, I was trying, I was going to have to go through fields with the truck to, mm. to get out. Like we could not get through our road. So hopefully everybody's, you know, healthy and still hunting. So, uh, yeah, David, let's talk a little bit about our season 23 season. So do you want to kick it off? Because I do, know. I do, because actually I'm going to just take it back a couple sentences to, uh, you know, a year ago today, what you just said. And this is something that I've been thinking about. Um, it came up, you know, kind of in my in my memory, in my head that, you know, a year ago today, that around this time is when you had approached me about coming on the podcast, actually. And, you know, when you you talking about being snowed in, I was the opposite. You know, I was probably sitting on the beach down on, you know, in Siesta Key, Florida, drinking a beer. And I remember you calling me after Christmas, like once the holidays were over and, and, uh, that you and your wife had talked and, and kind of approached me about coming on. And, and it's hard to believe that that, that was a full 
calendar year ago now. But I just wanted to thank you because, you know, there's been a lot of opportunities that have come up that uh, I probably wouldn't have had without joining you here on the podcast. But more importantly than anything to me is the relationships that we have built along the way, not just, you know, you and I, but, you know, a lot of people, they may listen to a podcast and they think that, well, they just had a guest on. That's just like a little sample size of normally how much we talk to someone. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the people we you hear on here, they become a really good friend, even though we may not ever see them face to face for, you know, years or only at trade shows or TAC events. But it's like we, we trade text messages and phone calls with these guys. And, and that to me, like I, I can't put a price tag on that because I I cherish those relationships. You know, I've openly talked about how you know, secretive I am with bow hunting and I've let my guard down a little bit with that. And, and I've actually had a lot of people reach out that they were like thankful that I'm a little bit more open, but I, uh, I'm just thankful, man. And I I appreciate you for asking me to come on and and appreciate you for, you know, introducing me to all these great whitetail hunters across the country. Heck yeah, man. My pleasure. And and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have asked you on or just anybody on if I didn't like you and I didn't think you were good at what you do. And, and, I've had a lot of messages and I've told you like people love the addition of, of DJ and, and I do too. You take a lot of, you take a lot of, uh, pressure and stress off of me, just, just being present and you might not even know that, but it's, it's been 23 has been like a hell of a good year on the podcast front. Probably my most fun, honestly. Um, but I got a question for you looking back mm-hmm. since, since we're reflecting on 23, what is your favorite moment? of 2023 that has to do somewhat with the podcast could be a hunt but it could be you know like a guest we had on or something in one of the stories that we talked about what it what what sticks out the most to you about 23 man you know we we started off the bat at you know one giant mistake and actually in the very beginning one giant mistake of what i wasn't even going to be a part of the podcast or anything you just asked me to you know co-host just that series and then it later on led to more but I uh I love interacting with people and I don't I, I don't think I can say like a certain episode I can say a certain event and I, for me I going up to tack and I don't know if it's because of you know we're a Michigan based podcast and we have a lot of Michigan listeners but going up to tack and just meeting you know all all of our loyal listeners and it's almost like when they come up and talk to you it's they they know so much about you because of the podcast we're like they will act you a direct question and you're like how would you ever know that but then it's like okay yeah like you you listen to me on the podcast but to me that was uh that was pretty that was awesome going up the tech i i really enjoyed that you know even though we we were there with the the latitude booth you know we had the the podcast set up there and i, I mean even we had the podcast set up at ata too like that was that was yeah. awesome but for me it's probably the events you know like the in the moment stuff you know and and as as wild as this sounds to some people, you know, like Kansas was so awesome, but like I love driving out to Kansas with you and podcasting on the road. Like I enjoy those kind of moments. So for me, if I had to point, you know, point a finger at just one thing, it would be I mean, I, I think it just it'd be the total archery challenge event, man. That was that was so fun to be up there, you know, with the fall podcast. Yeah, I I agree. Like that that was a good moment. I have one that sticks out to me as well and it was kind of like a more of a uh this was more of a um holy shit moment. Like I don't know if I'm in like this boxed into this shell or you know and 
or anything like that. But like, I didn't, you know, start a podcast to be somebody. I did not. Mm-hmm. I would do this if it like only got a couple listens. I really would. I know it's hard for people. They're probably looking at their radio like, yeah, bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. no, really. Like, I, you know me. Like, I don't, I don't look at, you know, the fame or anything like that. I actually had a conversation with you the other day and I think you, you know, I have this Odell Beckham story, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, and yeah, he's famous, but when I watched that clip of Odell Beckham years ago and how he changed someone's life by giving him his shoes, I'm like, man, I want to do that someday. Like, and you don't have to be famous to do that. You know what I mean? You just got to be a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to be a good person and be able to be and put into positions or situations that you can do that kind of stuff. And I feel like this podcast has given me the platform and given me the opportunity to be able to do that and give back a little bit, whether it might be information or just a laugh or, you know, giving someone a piece of product. I don't know. Like, yeah. So with that being said, like this kind of goes to like a holy shit moment. So I'm going to go back to when we were in Kansas. Okay. And I'm not going to say the names of the guy or anything like that because I just don't want people to know where we're at in Kansas, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, David shoots his buck. Okay. We go to the local, the local, uh, processor to drop him off. We go in there. We're just two dudes. We are literally two dudes. We got camo on and stuff like that. You know how everybody else does. We back up there and pull the tailgate down and pull the buck out. And we're, we're starting to have small talk with this guy, you know, and, and, him and another guy, I think it was the owner and then one of the, his workers and everything. We're just BSing with them and everything. And, you know, just talking about hunting, not, not talking about podcasting, not talking about any of that kind of stuff. And it took the guy probably, I don't know, five minutes maybe. And the guy, the one guy goes, wait, do you guys have a podcast? And I'm like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> like what's going to mm-hmm. happen here, you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, and. I don't even think you said the name of it at that moment, but he's like something like the fall podcast or something like, and when he realized it was us, he was like, Oh my gosh. And he goes, I was just listening to your guys's podcast while I was cutting up that meat in the other room or whatever. This is wild. And I'm like that at that moment, I'm like, Holy shit. Like we are 16 hours from home in this little town in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. And this guy recognized us and I'm like, holy shit. And now I know that probably sounds like a fame thing. It's not like, cause I, it it actually made me feel kind of weird. Like this is, this is odd. You know what I mean? And I just thought it was really cool that two, you know, two little small town guys from Michigan can reach some crevices in the U S or the Midwest and reach those people and hopefully change their perspective or change their way of thinking and give them success in a hunt or life or something like that. I just thought that was pretty darn cool. So that, that kind of sticks pretty high up there for me. Yeah, no, it's, it, that's a great one too, Aaron, because you and we gave him, and we gave him a hat and shirts too. So that's like yeah. the give back kind of thing also. Like I forgot yep. about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because once I had to go back and, and pick my deer up there, you know, I we had taken some shirts and hats out there with us, and we're like, man, let's go, let's take some merch back to this guy. But yeah, it's 
you nailed it with being so far away from home. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, maybe people around here, they, they, you know, they know we do the podcast, but to be, you know, halfway across the country and someone bring it up, that was, that was really awesome. But, you know, there's, there's also like, you know, I look at what you've done here in in 23, like, man, you, you started an entire merch store now. Like that's, that's big, you know, like your whole website and, and doing a full merch line and, and there's there's one other um it's just a, a small snippet that happened this year and probably no one will ever know about it and you probably honestly i mean really probably don't want to talk about it i probably shouldn't bring it up but i i smoked you on those scooters in in, in indianapolis <laughs> oh, I, dude it wasn't like it is it, so lucky no one even seen it like on this on the sidewalks and up into that parking garage i mean we rented those scooters dude and you weren't even close not even close okay okay <laughs> I, I just had to give you some shit right there buddy <laughs> okay yeah well i'll give it to you whatever but you have some i have some weight on you too you're just a wee little guy you know i'm carrying probably an extra 15 20 pounds you know so it's like well all right, I'll I'll give it to you. Small wins, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, man. Season season twenty three. You know, uh, outside of the podcast, just the hunting stuff in in general. I look back, um, back to January last year, and and getting back from Florida. That you know, you had talked about that bad snowstorm we had in December. But in January, we ended up losing that, if I remember correctly. I look back at a lot of my scouting notes and all the scouting videos I, I took that I was scouting back in January and February. And, like, you know, even though it was right after season, I, I'm not one that worries worries much about sheds. I will find some sheds just from the sheer amount of walking I do. I'm not purposely looking for them. It just, I, I don't have a lot of luck with that in Michigan. And so as soon as that's, like, if there's no snow cover, in January and February, like it's, I'm such an advocate to like get out there and get scouting. Like you'll still see all the scrapes, you know, it's, it's kind of usually muddy that year. If, Cause if you probably, you know, like you talked about that snowstorm, it, there was some, you know, snow melt off. So the trails are all well-defined. The licking branches are still like dangling there, but still somewhat alive from the, the previous fall that the one thing that stood out to me was how dry it was in my swamps last winter in all last fall like i i had such killer areas in inside of swamps that just weren't holding water now i look back at those i mean my swamp levels have changed in the last 12 months from to the point where like i i have swamps that i believe they're still good with water but now there's so much water in these swamps I look back at what that sign looked like in January and February from the last fall to now we're to the point that I'm I'm borderline in my head thinking we've hit a water level that's just flat out too much for them. Like areas that have been so good for me over the last decade are completely vacant because of how deep the water is. And under that water is mucky swamp. And it is, you know, like you're talking about halfway up a the body of an animal, you know, so that that's one thing that stuck out to me about early in the season compared to right now is, is what those swamps look like. But, you know, those, those, the, that, that postseason scouting, it was so important because we're going to talk about it here, but, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on that because we know our hunting time is going to be so limited and looking back at my notes between postseason scouting and um 
going out glassing in the summer, I have 43 times that I walked out to my pickup truck, opened that door up and got in it to either go scouting or go glassing somewhere. And to some, maybe that sounds like a lot. And to some, that maybe doesn't sound like a lot. And I don't count miles because I've, I've always been open about this. I'm not worried about how many miles my tracker says. I'm worried about quality miles. So with the 43 trips, those paid off in the fall. But before we get to my fall, what about your, you know, postseason, the beginning of the year year? Yeah, um, my postseason, you know, I remember we did the first season 23 episode when we were going to ATA. Like you and I were scouting before ATA, which is usually the second week of January. So in that, as it's shaping up now, it looks like that's going to happen possibly again. Like I'm going to get out at least one or two times before ATA. We've got no snow in the forecast, you know, mm-hmm. for a while here. And not obviously, you know, geograph- geographically, I'm farther north in Michigan than you are. Um, so, but I will say I had snow more than you had snow last mm-hmm. year. So I was almost like bait up in the freaking cabin while you were out scouting as well. Like, you know, you can only do so much with snow on the ground, in my opinion. You know what yep. I mean? Like, I don't like, I, I'm on record saying I hate having snow on the ground when I'm trying to scout. So I'll just sit by the fire, basically. But I will say, this last January, I did get my daughter out a couple times, and I was planting sheds for her. Like, I'd take a little shed with me, and she was, well, she was five at the time. So I just wanted her, like, she doesn't like to walk. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. can, and, and that kind of goes back to when she was, well, what was she, three, right before her third birthday? She broke her femur. So mm-hmm. she literally broke her femur in half. And, you know, I don't, so I, I still don't know if that leg is, I mean, it's obviously healed, but I don't know if it's like still kind of like she just always not complains, but she's just like, ah, I just don't want to walk anymore, dad. And I'm like, you're five. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but also dad's got snowmobiles. He's got side by sides. I mean, Hey, I, you can't blame the girl. Yeah. you can't blame her. But, uh, (laughs) I will say, so like we'd go out and, and I'd plant sheds for her and it would, there would be so much snow in the timber, but in the fields, there really wasn't a lot. And, uh, she, boy, she had a ball doing that kind of stuff, you know, but once the snow started melting and if I remember right, I mean, it wasn't till you know, March or so, if I, if I remember right, that I could really get out and start doing anything. And I started putting, you know, we were getting the rival cell cams in the April timeframe. And I put my first one out like April 6th, I think it was. And I wanted to test out the rival and I wanted to test out the, the solar panel. So, and that camera is still sitting there right now. It is dead now. I will say that. Um, I thought it was stolen, but, uh, it is dead now. It just died not too long ago. Um, but, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to hone in on an area. Okay. And remember I had the talks of, you know, it was, it was kind of where three properties meet and on one property you could spit to this huge scrape, but it wasn't on me. You know what I mean? You could mm-hmm. see how big it was. I wanted to quote unquote, move that scrape from there over to me. So what I did is I built another scrape. I built a, like a big scrape, put this camera on there. And, uh, I almost want, what I mean by move it is I wanted to kind of have them take over my scrape and not the one on the neighbor so I could hunt it. You know what I mean? Just an experiment kind of thing. Boy, it worked. It, it worked. Um, you know, 
I will say that scrape is still very much open on the neighbors. Like they still hit it. Like it's just a scrape. A good scrape's a good scrape, man. Like without me being able to go over there and eliminate the tree, you know, like that scrape, it's still big. But they hit mine like crazy too. Um, mm-hmm. my dad, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, my dad hunted that area a lot this year. He missed a buck and shot a buck in that spot, you know. So I set that up for, and it's very much going to be the spot going forward. Um, so it, in a sense, my pre my preseason scouting, I really want to hone in that area and figure it out. And I think I did that. Um, now my camera location, I think I needs to adjust a little bit. Just, there's not a ton of good locations right there, but I don't like the pictures I was getting. I had the camera too high and I was missing deer. I feel like so. Um, and that was just my fault with placement. So, I mean, kind of going into that, like the summer, the summer time frame, and nothing really changed other than like, you know, just, just checking up on old spots that I, you know, historical spots. And, and also, you know, last year I pulled that soaker cam that wasn't far from the area that I was trying to figure out. And it led me to find out that there was a lot of buck daylight buck activity in a certain area from like November, you know, 7th till November, like 13th. Like there was mm-hmm. numerous bucks. Remember that we were going through that card and we we're like, man, this oh, is yeah. a spot, but we were in Kansas this year. So I, I didn't get to hunt it. Historical um, information on that, not specific animal, but specific spot, the spot within the spot kind of deal. Like it, it mm-hmm. is the spot, you know? Um, so those were big, big things that I, you know, I unfolded and I could see nothing really stood out to me. I will say there are some things that I really need to hone on going into this year as far as clear cuts. I need to learn more about them. We have some clear cuts. And uh but this is an eye opener this year with, you know, that deer Boz and Tupac that we were chasing and stuff like that and how they were using them. Um mm-hmm. some things that were eye opening that uh that I think I'm gonna focus on a little bit going forward this year. So that's kinda me in a nutshell. I don't know how many. I didn't keep track of my scouting. I didn't scout near as much as you did, and I didn't glass near near as much as you did. But I'd say probably half of what you did. Um, mm-hmm. you know, scouting and glassing put together probably, you know, twenty. That's that's yeah. where I kind of live. Um, but still, it very much outweighed. Well, I guess it really didn't this year, but um, that, I know it kind of did. If you if you XNA Kansas, you know. Yeah. My Michigan, I had I only had five sits in Michigan this year. Five. Yeah. You know? And I had sixteen in Kansas, but we were there to hunt, you know. So um but in Michigan, I had five sits. I killed a buck and I had two pocket thirty five yards that that one sit. So two out of the five sits, you know, I had bucks within top pin club. Yeah, yeah. And you question, um I wanna get back to that though, but you brought up about the the snow thing, and this is something I've thought about often. Where, you know, a lot of the spots that you hunt, you, you know, you've hunted for you know previous years, where it's like, you know, something almost maybe to combat that. You know, just sitting around if it's not if you have snow, but not too much snow. It's like, man, it'd be nice if to have like that'd be a perfect time if someone got a brand new permission piece or wanted to learn a brand new piece of uh public land where it's like yeah you're not going to get all the details right then with the snow on the ground but it's a great way to learn the way of the land 
and then circle back to those specific areas that you want to look for those details after the uh, the snow melts. But the the struggle there is is having new ground to go do that, right? You know, because it's not like it's not like you didn't want to get out and go scouting. It's, it's just the fact that what you had to scout, you you knew what you're looking for in those areas already, where it's like you're not going to find it when the ground's you know covered in snow already. Yeah, and I will say I I want to mention something as well. This off season, right after the snow came off, and even now, like with no snow on, um, I've I've got a couple good friends that uh, own Aerial Wildlife Solutions. Okay, and they have uh, a drone. It's a thermal drone, but it also takes really high end maps for yourself. Um, I had them come up to the farm, and you like to do it without leaf cover on, because who likes to look at a map that's got leaf cover on it, and it, we did a podcast on this as well, and um, I'm gonna get the name wrong, but it's I think it's like Arthoscapic. I, I, th I think that name is wrong, but it's close. It's somewhere in there, and um, they do these maps where they they um, you know put points over your farm wherever you want it, and then the the drone will take a series of pictures, you know, and we did we did my family farm, and it was 220 acres. It took a couple hours, um, but boy, the map is so detailed. Like, mm -hmm. it is so nice, and we did that in the spring. And I'll tell you what, DJ, and I even told you this. Like, you know, I've I've hunted that family farm my whole life. Okay, I've been boots on the ground a lot. This map, and you know, I've been hunting. I think twenty. This is my like twenty second or twenty third year. This map opened up my eyes to that spot this year that I talked about, like where my dad shot the buck and missed the buck. It opened my eyes to that spot mm -hmm. because you can see our, like a, it, there's a topography there. There is our swamp meets, which on the one neighbor, I've never been on their property and you can't see it with the leaf cover on, but they have a ditch system that has water in it that almost meets our swamp that I didn't know about. And then on the other neighbors, because I said there was three property lines that meet there, they have water that comes there and it creates a pinch right there. And I never seen that because I can't go on their properties. And I never seen that, you know, until I got this map because the leaf cover was off. I'll tell you what, these maps, if you guys are looking like to try to do something like this, Aerial Wildlife Solutions. They're on Instagram. They have a website and everything. Give them a call. Tell them I told you to call them because they will come out and do these maps. And you can, I have mine blown up. It's huge. It's like four foot by two foot. I, I put um, a piece of flat stock behind it so I can use magnets and everything on it. That is one thing we did. And it really opened my eyes to a lot of the farm and to look at it differently. I'm just going to say that. I know shameless plug a little bit, but they're good friends of mine, and they do things at a very high level. So if you guys are looking for something like that, I'd check that out. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a shameless plug at all, man, because it, like you said, it opened your eyes to some things. It was another tool in your toolbox, you know, and, and I tell you what, you know, it's it's so nice to be able to, like, you know, share waypoints on a text message with your phone to your buddies or your, you know, your hunting group or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I was just up at your place a few weeks ago and being able to like stand there with that big printed map 
you telling me about something, I'm going over it, you're going over it, we're bouncing ideas back and forth. We're like, that's a lost thing with maps, you know, where it's like, yeah, we all look at on our phone, which is nice too. That, you know, that itself has its place. But standing there like that, like that, that was, I think, I love that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. that's super enjoyable. But um, I had two other questions for you. You know, when you talked about the clear cuts and, and needing to learn those, I know very little about clear cuts just with the areas I hunt. But the one thing that kind of sticks out to my mind about clear cuts is I always hear guys talk about, you know, the age of a clear cut. You know, is it last year got clear cut? Is it a five-year-old clear cut, 10-year-old clear cut? Is there a, is there a, you know, you're wanting to learn more, but is there a, like a love-hate relationship with having to learn them? Because it's like, to me, they change every year. Mm -hmm. Not only the thickness, the height, but like, what what do they provide nutritional wise for the deer? What do they provide cover wise for the deer? So like, are you seeing like them get better or is it very dependent on maybe how much like rain precipitation we get or snowfall the year before? Like what, what are you learning from those so far? So what I've, what I've learned and what I've learned by visual and what I've learned by asking like, Austin and Michael that have that have are hunting these clear cuts a lot with they've hunted them more than I have and just kind of getting their feedback as well is that it sounds like that you know the area that was clear cut it was a good area but it was it was like below average area now it's very much above average and it's a 3-year-old mm. clear cut okay and i will say like from the sounds of what those guys have seen year the first fall after that cut so they cut it in the spring that ne- that next fall was on fire was okay. like fire okay for food for food wise I-, I think so because they were having encounters in like october food and, and bedding they were having encounters in october of like they'd get up in a tree and they'd get above this clear cut and look down and there's like just deer all over and bucks mm-hmm. and getting out of their beds and you know using this a certain way Using the topography the way that I think it was intended, but they just didn't have the cover to use it because they didn't feel safe there. Now they feel safe. They yeah. got food. They got food cover, bedding, you know, and then um, all right there. Now year three in it, this rut, Michael had some of the best hunts he's ever had in that clear cut. You know, okay. um, he was he was going into his location and he'd get up there in the morning and the lights would come on and he's got deer coming all over underneath of him, like in good bucks. And, you know, he had really good encounters with Tupac and he had some encounters with some other deer and he just couldn't get a shot at him. But like, he's like, I don't know where these deer are coming from. Like, you know, he's like, yeah. I feel like I'm a turn a punch bowl up in this tree, but they're just coming from all over. So I think it's progressively just either flatlining, staying the same really good or it might be just getting a little bit better. My whole theory, or I don't know, I don't have a theory on it, I guess, but my whole thought process is I'm wondering at a certain age, is it going to start falling? But I will say, okay. you know, there is another clear cut that is probably, if I had to guess, it's probably 15 to 20 years old on the farm, and it still gets used very well. Like, okay. in it, all the popples now are, are, you know, six inches in diameter, you know, not a lot of bow hunting trees in it, almost there, but mm-hmm. it's an old clear cut. And 
they still use the heck out of that. So I don't know. We'll see. That's gonna, you know, I really should, we should really get some guys on that are clear cut hunters that, mm-hmm. uh, that can kind of give us that feedback. Cause I really just don't know. Yeah. It, when I think of clear cuts, you know, maybe it's just me personally, but like, I'm such a visual learner where like, I, I need to see it happen inside of one to really understand, you know, yeah. I, I think all the way back here. And I think about when you and I went to Northern Michigan, you know, in the fall of 22 and Alex shot that buck up in there. Like I, I won't, like, I think about that often because if, you know, when I, when we first got up there, that piece, we went and scouted and we wrote it off, you know, we're like, ah, oh, it's too open. And I look back now, it's like, oh, that was probably, that was probably it right there, you know, yeah. but, um, my other question was for you, you know, I, and you and I talked about it a lot and I know you talked about it openly on the podcast also, but going into summertime and even late in the spring that you were really wanting to ramp up, you, you know, your trail camera game and your trail camera tactics and, in your scrape game, you know, and where do, where do you sit with that? Do you, do you like what you've seen? Do you not like what you've seen? Do you want to keep building forward or do you, you reverting back to like a different style of a trail camera game? So as far as the trail cams go, I think I did get better with it. Um, but there's still, I still left a lot of meat on the bone as far as, distance from the scrape height every situation's different i really mm-hmm. don't feel like there is a clear cut yep got to be eight foot off the ground got to be pointed like i think that every situation is so different that there might be some areas where it's like you the camera probably needs to be at like waist height like which is the standard i don't know mm-hmm. that but like no, I do, I do know that. Like there, I feel like there's places like that, and then there's places like yeah, you very much have to get them up. I I like them raised, I do, but I did like the like the hip height. I kind of got burnt on a couple instances this year. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know that in that sense, the scrapes or uh the cameras, I left some meat on the bone. There's gonna be some other things I'm gonna try. I don't want to really talk about them just yet. I think we're going to say that for another podcast, but, um, I, I just, uh, I feel like I missed some deer. I feel like mm-hmm. one instance on one of the scrapes, which was one of my best scrapes this year, the camera was way too close, but I had no other option. So I really want to like, whether it's a pick and stick or whether it's some other option where I got to bury a tree in an area where I can get it up higher at a certain distance, I think the distance from the object you're trying to get is the most key thing. I think Mm -hmm. because I think I got the cameras too close to a lot of what I wanted to focus on. You know what I mean? And I'm only getting a small picture of what, so I think for me, the most meat I left on it is the, the distance from the object is what I really got to hone in on. Um, now scrapes, go ahead. I think you've, I was going to say, I think you've started a great foundation though. Yeah, I I've been able to watch it and see it, you know, and I, I, you, you know, the recipe now it's just applying that recipe in the right situation. Like you said, it's so situational. Yeah, it very much is now the scrapes. So I've been trying to take some pages out of your book. Now it's like, it's, we do a lot of mock scrapes and I do a ton of mock scrapes. Now you do more than I do, but like, honestly, that is like my, I'm, I'm starting to feel like that is my recipe. Like I'm going out mm-hmm. to make in the summer. That's what I'm doing. I'm go, 
I'm not going to put up a camera normally if it's not on a mock scrape. Like it's yep. got to be. And um, so my scrape game this year, I feel like made leaps. Okay. Leaps. And it's always trying to figure out like the branch height. The, if it's a vine or if it's a certain, you know, like a certain tree. Now I've said it publicly on here, beech trees in my area are dynamite. You can find a beech tree amongst cover. You're going to get a buck on a scrape right there. Now that's not in every case because I did try to set a new scrape this year on a beech tree on a hillside where I felt like bucks were going to be traveling right on the edge of the clear cut. And I like, it was dead town. There was nothing mm-hmm. there hardly. So I will say in the past, all I would do is I'd go up and I'd just break a branch, put a little scrape dust on it, call her good. Now, I am a firm believer in you could be the worst golfer in the world, but if you buy better clubs, you'll be a little better golfer. Not going to say you're going to make the PGA, but you'll be a little better golfer. I really think that way. Same with hitting a baseball. If you got the hand-eye coordination down, if you buy a little better bat, that ball's going to go a little farther. It is. Okay? So, with the scrape game, the equipment you use, the time and effort you put into it, it's going to be a little bit better. So, this year, I really went to some vines. The vines were a game changer for me. I don't know if I'll make a scrape without a vine anymore. So, the vine was, was crucial, but also the height of the scrape. So I made scrapes this year, that East Line scrape. The, the, the leaves were at my knees, low. Like, and I, I, I deliberately did that because I wanted to see if there was a correlation to like if it needed to be this or if they'd hit it. Dude, they, that was my best scrape this year, probably other than, you know, other than that the licking or under the other than the scrape that I, the tree I planted my scrape tree. That was, that's still mm-hmm. a good scrape to this day. Um, but that one literally the, the, the licking branch was at my knees. So only about a foot, foot and a half off the ground. And dude, they destroyed it. They love it. Like I had bucks getting in there and just rubbing all the leaves on their back, like scratching and stuff. And I'm like, okay, maybe lower is better. So then I had a vine scrape on a cornfield edge, and they loved that as well with no leaves in it, just a vine, okay? And it was like belt high, and they loved Mm -hmm. it, okay? Yep. Loved it. I think if you, this is my opinion, and you're the scrape god to me, but in my opinion, if, if what you're trying to get them to touch and scrape on, if it is above your belt height, I'm 5'10", if it is above your belt height, not that they're not going to touch it, but they're just not going to treat it. I don't know what the word is for it. I just have better luck with anything belt or lower. Like mm-hmm. I won't put anything. I want every deer to touch it. I want the fawns to touch it. I want whatever, whatever comes in there. I want it to rub on their back. I want it to, in that scrape that they were rubbing on their back, it was apparent. It was like the only scrape this year that I actually had shooter bucks and deer Using that scrape as a bed as well. Like, and I feel like that was because there was so much scent there. There was so much, it was, it was a hub. It was a, it was a, uh, a meeting place. Like I'd have bucks come in there. It was a social meeting place. I had bucks come in there and just bed in it. 
And I'm like, yeah. that's what wasn't I wanted that the, to do. Wasn't that the scrape that that one buck looked like he was rolling like a dog in it? Yes. Do you yes. remember that? He was rolling he like, like he a dog. He was on his back like a dog. I've never seen that before. I remember sending the picture. I'm like, dude, I've never, like, this is wild. Like, he's mm-hmm. literally like a dog rolls in his back, you know, and he's just like, he was doing that. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget the words that you said to me. You know, when you build something like that and you get their feet in that, you got them. You trapped them. Trapped. All, all mm-hmm. they need is the feet in there. But if you can get his body in it, if you can get oh, him yeah. to lay in it and and walk around. And I like getting all that scent on that branch. I like lower. That is where my game is. That's where I'm going to go forward. And the vine, boy, I'm going to use vines from now on, you know, and... um. Yeah, so that's kind of how I up my scrape game and I've I'm starting to I'm starting to make that formula and I'm going to do it again next year and then just kind of keep tweaking from here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, you know, like a couple of years ago when I started really getting into the scrape thing, I thought it would be like a good way to inventory deer in the summertime since we can't really, uh, you know, bait deer here in Michigan, no minerals, nothing like that. And I really wanted to get those cameras off the field edges where everyone else was seeing them. And it really opened my eyes up to it. And that was like, holy cow, you know, a good scrape. Not only will get them in the fall, but it will get them in the summer and even in the winter time. I mean, I'll tell you what, that first week of December can be some deadly times on a scrape but yeah it's it's been fun to watch man because i knew i know that you made it a that was a big point for you that you wanted to really up that game and and from an outsider looking in i can see it and it's 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 starting to click you know because the hard thing about it is we could talk about it here on the podcast but it's it's very situational mm-hmm. and yeah. you know you have to go out there and apply it to your situations and you for have sure. to go apply yourself to it too but when you start seeing the results from it you're like okay I get it. You know, I, I think of, I think of no go this year, you know, let me just pounding that scrape up there like that. But yeah. And yeah. It, to, 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 okay, no, finish your, finish your no, that, talk. We're good. Well, what we're I was going to say, you brought up the no go thing. And so I've had a lot of people asking me where that, wh- where that film's going to be. And, and, um, I think it's probably a good time to kind of like vet that out. So David and I filmed all year. Um, and what we're going to do going forward and even this year, so obviously I work for Latitude and, and so we do the grit series and everything and we're still trying to figure out like we have a really good grit season coming for season two. Okay. It's going to be really good. We're trying to figure out how that, like the stuff that we did marries to Latitude. You're going to more than likely you're going to see it on Latitude. It's grit stuff as well, but 
what pertains to the fall, the fall podcast and the fall, you know, what we do is we have a YouTube channel as well. We've had it for a long time. We've got a lot of videos up there. A lot of my hunts are up there because a lot of mine have been filmed and everything. So if you guys haven't checked that out, go to YouTube, fall podcast, you'll see some hunts on there. But right now, David and I are outlining our whole season in the background. We are literally all the high points, the storylines, we're getting the storyline down. We are going to make, you know, whether it's 30 minutes long, it could be an hour long, but we're going to make our whole season from glassing season. You're going to see the big berry saga. You're going to see David's first kill. You're going to see no go. You're going to see David's Kansas stuff. You're going to see my Kansas stuff. Chronologically, we're going to make a film or, you know, a film-esque type video that is going to go on YouTube and we're going to tentatively, we're going to launch it probably right before October, September sometime, somewhere in there. But that's what we're going to do with it. And the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of people have asked about the hunts and where they're going to see them. But the other thing is you're going to see no-go on October 1st, 83 degrees on October 1st, come down the pipe, come up to a mock scrape that I made in the spring. He puts his head in the vine, rakes the vine, gets up on his hind legs, rakes in his hind legs, stands up all on film. He gets down, he rakes the dirt out of the scrape. He gets up on his, you know, he, he puts his back legs together and pisses on himself right in the scrape on October 1st, 83 degrees. That right there is a testament to like scrapes and mock scrapes. I built that mock scrape in the spring. Like I want to say it was like February. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember right off the rip, but it was like February or March or something like that. I put that tree in the ground right then. So it's like they can, they can work all like we still have bucks hitting scrapes right now. Like that scrape that I shot no go on bucks are still hitting that right now. And then we're in December Christmas, you know? So that's the power of it. Literally, that's the power of it. I never, ever, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have never said you could kill a deer on a mock scrape or a scrape in general in, in October 1st. But boy, mm-hmm. there is a formula. And if you can get it and you can keep it low pressure, you can do it. And it is the coolest footage. I'm a little biased. Self-filmed it. But it is the coolest footage. And by the way, I finally got the age back on no-go. And I was way off. I thought he was a two-and-a-half-year-old deer. He ended up being four-and-a-half. So he, you know, Crazy. I didn't think he was a four and a half year old deer. Still kind of hard for me to believe that, but it came back. I do the cementum aging from deer age, came back and four and a half years old. And, uh, so if I can get a four year old to do it in Michigan, boy, I could surely get a two year old to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I, I tell you what, man, looking back at no go October one, it's, you really kicked the season off for us. You know what I mean? I, I'm looking at my notes. You know, because the one thing you taught me is I said, well, if you're going to video stuff, you need to, you need to kind of keep notes on here. And I look back at my October one notes in it, you know, I had an, an encounter with a decent seven point, not a shooter, but right after it says AB killed no go. You know what I mean? Like October one started us off right off the bat, yeah. you know, but going into I had a, you know, it's always a big goal of mine to kill one in the first week of October. It's kind of been like my nemesis. It's just, it's, it's something I've done it before, but nothing like nothing that I was truly after kind of thing. And 
looking at that going into open opening week of archery season there it was like you said and what you talked about it was temperatures hot right real hot mm-hmm. and and then uh but i didn't care about the temps i was thinking like man it's I, i'm gonna block all week off because it's it's just a big goal of mine and dude here we are you know october one could hunt but october two couldn't hunt because family issues came up and it just kind of felt like okay here we go again like it's my opening week's probably going to go to the wayside because I, one thing I think about opening week is like, you got to be on them. Like you got to be like, have a really tight grip of what's going on out there. And, and I uh, wasn't able to hunt that second night, but the same, uh, the same week you killed no go just, uh, three days later. Yeah. Cause on October 3rd, I, I had seen a, a, a big shooter at last light. Then October 4th, I went in and killed that deer, you know? So that was, that was a, yeah, I look back at that, like, Remember what? Remember that felt good that week, man. We we kicked the season off really good. Four days in, uh, you killed the buck, I killed the buck, and heck, I even remember the night I I killed one. I think was it Zach killed killed the yes. buck that night too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Zach Block um killed a really good deer, and you know Kevin Gross and I and and um went and helped him recover that. And literally, I think we found the deer. You found your deer and we found Zach's at like, we're FaceTime and we're taking pictures of Zach's mm-hmm. deer. And you're like, holy shit. You know, like we were yeah. going back and forth and everything. So October 4th was a good night. Like was yep. a real good it, night. And it was still hot. Like I remember going out there and getting Zach's deer and I'm like sweating, you know, yeah, it was, it was warm out. Yeah. That was in, that was, you know, the fourth straight day of like stagnant conditions in my, in, in my eyes, you know, like it was, I remember going out that night and, and had my daughters and, and my wife out there and the mosquitoes are so bad and we're back there in a swamp, you know, but uh, you know, it was all worth it, obviously, you know, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to run through some of these notes real quick just to, you know, kind of piggyback off what we, we hit on earlier about the importance of, the scouting season and summer glass and and i've openly talked about it guys when i go scouting and even aaron himself too we don't leave the house for eight hours and go scouting we may have 90 minutes we may get two hours sometimes if we're lucky enough we may get four hours we may be scouting right till dark and walking back with a headlamp whatever the scouting takes no matter the time period how much time you have to me it's always worth it because those are the kind of minutes that could pay dividends in the fall now i'm going to run through my fall notes real quick there's 10 total hunts here in my note in my notes i hunted 10 times this season i only hunted one morning this season it happened to be the morning i killed in in kansas and never even hunted in michigan in november and either did you like we've we've both talked about that like that's wild but october 1 didn't see a shooter October 3rd, seen a shooter. October 4th, killed that shooter. Back in back in the saddle, October 8th, super slow night. October 11th, shot Big Berry. And we'll circle back to that here in a second. So I dealt with Big Berry for days. Never found him. October 11th, that was. October 18th, go right back out. Different property, different swamp encountered chuck all on video inside a bull range just not clear enough for a shot october 23rd slow october 30th encounter didn't name the buck just a big frame eight all on video you'll be able to see that too november 2nd first day in kansas nothing november 3rd killed one in kansas so i had 10 hunts i had three i shot three bucks shot the first one at nine yards the second one at 19 yards, my third buck at 
13 yards. But on top of the, the three bucks I shot, there's also three hunts in there with, with encounters of bucks I, I would have shot. So out of 10 hunts, six of them provided a buck that I was after or I would have shot. Like, I didn't know the buck in Kansas, but I shot him. And like Aaron talked about in the very beginning, this, this is a season that I, I would have dreamt of. You know, being we talk about being efficient when you're on such limited time with families and work, young families. We talk about that a lot. That even though those 10 hunts, that's an incredible season for me. I would take that every year for the rest of my life. But to me, I don't think about the 10 hunts. I think about the 43 times I got in the pickup truck to go scout or glass. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't do the ratio of how many times scouting or minute wise or hour wise per hunt, per hunt it was. But looking at those notes, it's just like, damn, David, you had a, you had a hell of a season. I mean, I, I've usually, I'm, if I shoot one buck, I'm happy. Yeah. Like that is usually the well, case. Well, that's what for we me. strive like, for too, is that one opportunity, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for a lot of years, that's always how I lived. It was like, man, I, I'm only going to get one opportunity. But what I see a direct reflection of each year now is the more time, and even though it's not a lot of time when I go scouting, the more time I can study individual deer, individual spots, individual properties, individual counties, the more I can study it, the more payoff I'm seeing in the fall. And it won't always be like that. There's going to be falls where things just don't go right. But what I am here to say I'm extremely, extremely grateful and blessed for this season I had. But I'd be lying to you if the whole story of Big Barry and not recovering him yet, yet, I'd be lying to you if, it, if I didn't say it, it wasn't blurring how my fall went. I feel like there's still a little bit missing. Mm-hmm. And even though I had an amazing year, amazing year, put multiple bucks that will be on my wall forever, Leaving that deer out there, in my opinion, leaving me leaving a deer out there has has blurred has blurred my my fall of twenty three a little bit. Yeah, no, and that makes sense because you know that he was your number one. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, he was the one that you wanted to get after, and that's when you when you set your sights on something like that, and and something goes wrong, it like it it amplifies. You know, it's it very much amplifies, but. When we find him, you know, this off season, I think it'll it'll help a little bit, you know. Yeah. It won't help the fact that you you know didn't find him at all. You know, when we were you know you tracked him, and I helped you track him too the second day, and it was like, boy, we found a lot of blood, went a long way, and mm-hmm. it doesn't help that you know he maybe has suffered like that. You know that sucks, that burns for us, but you know, having a little bit of closure and still find him in general and being able to respect him and like have him, you know, on display, however you want to do that and everything and still look at him and be like, you know, that's all we can do for putting animals through that, you know? Yeah. I, uh, my oldest daughter, Madeline, she asked me, um, she said, uh, dad, if, if you find him, like, how do you think you're going to feel? And I, like, she asked me that and instantly i was like well i'd be excited but then i i i didn't i'd even say that i'd even say the word excited to her because i man when i think about that it's like i i don't know how i'll feel honestly like 
you know, because there'll be a part of me, I feel like there'll be some relief that like, okay, I finally found him because because I never gave up looking for him. But like I said, there's, there's still part of me that I, I, you know, you said the phrase earlier, like I left some meat on the bone somewhere, like somewhere along the line, I made some mistakes and those have to be corrected, you know, but it's, it's just one of those things, you know, when you pour so much into it and we talked about this a lot about being open with it and this whole thing's documented on camera too. Even when you come down, we, we documented a lot of things. So you'll, uh, when this comes out, I mean, you'll probably, you'll probably be able to, to feel that on, on camera also, you know, where it's like, I, the one thing for me is I, I don't want to hide any of it. I didn't hide any of it on, on the podcast with you and, and uh because this is real this is real to me you know because there, mm-hmm. there's days when it goes really good really really good and there's days like this you know but man it's it was a it was a hell of a fall and and a lot of things put a smile on my face so too you know i i think of back of you know we're sitting here talking about no go we're don't 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 underplay it like there there is a lot there's a lot of homework that has to go into going in on opening day and executing on a deer that you're specifically after. Like I, I give you a lot of kudos for for that dude, because that's, that's tough to do. Like it, it it doesn't happen often, but the time and effort, and especially in a, in a place that was tough for you to glass, cause that, that's kind of your bread and butter. Mm -hmm. It was tough for you to glass him, you know, and what little bit you did was just a little bit enough information to tip it, to tip the favors in, in, in your court, basically. Yeah, and and um, I was able to see him every once in a while, but not much. Mm-hmm. You know, I do have yeah. footage of him in velvet and then out of velvet. Uh, I was actually going through my phone scope videos the other day, and I'm like, man, I got a lot more footage of that deer than I actually thought this summer. And because um, everything I was glassing was half a mile away, you know, it was very far. Like, um, but you know, to kind of like recap my season. You know, I, I've had a horseshoe lodged in my keister for the last, well, since 2019, really. Like, I, I really have. Like, I've been very fortunate, very, um, very lucky to, to have the opportunities I've had. And, and, you know, I still don't feel like I deserve a lot of what have ha- has happened to me. And, and I think, I think my, our Kansas trip this year for me, I think that was, I've said it before, it was like the humble pie that I needed to be like, hey, man, like you, you can't get complacent. You know, maybe I was getting a little complacent and, uh, I don't know, but I will say like, I want to go back to real quick, how you talked about, we scout when we can, when we have time, I, you know, we both have young families. I have a younger family than you do. And, and, um, you know, and the way I look at it is like, I hunted five times. Well, actually I hunted six times in Michigan this year. One, I hunted on the ground one night or one morning. Um, but like six times isn't a lot. A lot of people might be thinking, man, that's, that's not a lot. Well, you know, when you have priorities and the, the sooner I honed in on like hunt when you can hunt, the more success I was having, like, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. and it, when, when I go hunting, it's, I very much like, I look at the, I look at the weather and if the weather shows me something that I, that, that that I need to be hunting that day. I look at my family schedule and it's like, okay, is there some, some things that we can move around? That's not going to keep my family schedule way out of whack. 
that um that I that I can go. And if there is, then then ask the wife and she never says no, but it's like, you know, you always got to your wife's probably not going to say no and if she does, she's probably probably not the she's wife you up. want. You know what I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, because they're going to they're going to support you. A good wife is going to support you regardless if she wants you to go or not. Like in my in my experience. It's up mm. to you to figure out like okay, is the juice worth the squeeze tonight or in the morning? Like, if that makes sense, you know, my wife's never like, no, it's, you know, if, if we forget something that might not be in the family calendar, if I forget something, she'd be like, well, we did have plans to do that. And I'm like, oh, yep, sorry, forgot, you know, no big deal. That's kind of how it flows in my family, you know. Um, I will say the last 10 years with filming hunts and everything, I will say I've got, I had a bad case of the burnouts. Cause I was hunting, filming, quote unquote, 60, 70 times a year. You get burnt out. When I get home from a trip, I don't want to go hunting. So like, mm-hmm. I think that has a little bit to do with, you know, I don't want to be hunting. I do want to hunt all the time, but I think I'll very much get burnt out like really quick, even though I love it so much. It's, you know, it burnout's a real thing. So, um, going into October 1st, no go wasn't going to be a go. Like until I came to my senses and kind of was like, you know, in my criteria, it's, he's the biggest deer I had to hunt this year. And and I thought he was two and a half. I really did. I wanted to get him one more year at least. And, uh, you know, I was playing the odds October 1st. Like that's, I had camera intel on him. Not gonna lie to you. Not, not ashamed to say it. I had a camera intel on him, but I also did glass him too. Um, and I knew he was going to be in the area. Like, just playing the numbers game, like not saying he was going to be right in front of my tree that I was going to be sitting in, but I knew this was his core. And if the deer that I was hunting or that I was seeing last year that I thought was him, I mean, I'm in his core. If if it's the same deer, he's doing the same things that historical data was brought into this as well. I had a good win. I had a great access. The only kicker was it was just hot. It was 83 degrees or something like that. It was ridiculously hot. But I'm going to go. So I went in there and ultimately he read the script and never happens that way. And I was able to shoot him and and it was an awesome hunt. Everybody's heard that story so far, but it was a great hunt. You know, I got the age back on him. He's four and a half. That's what it was told me. You know, couldn't be happier. So, you know, now that I killed him, I'm looking at other farms. Like I've got a couple other deer, you know, i.e. Tupac was the next one. And, uh, you know, I didn't hunt for a couple days. Like I hunted on October 1st and then I didn't hunt again until October 11th, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is way easier to like, once you get that deer under your belt for me anyway, it is way easier to like stay out of the woods. Cause I say that because ultimately I don't like to pressure things and I hunt, I hunt farms that other people hunt too. So like me going in there is just added pressure as well. I like to strike, you know, strategically a lot of times. And I was playing cameras too, you know, watching cell cams, but also watching SD cards. Like I'd go in and pull, I, I still use SD cards because you want to know why SD card cameras, they don't, they don't fault at all. Like they are to me, an SD card camera is still better than a cell cam because I don't want to go down this ramp, but plain and simple, like. I don't ever get like false pictures from an SD card camera. I don't get like asses of deer and stuff like that. Like, and a lot of times 
I've ran a lot of different cell cams, different brands and everything. I feel like you miss deer sometimes. I really do. I'm just going to say it. that's just my opinion. Um, now, so I was running SD card cameras as well, but Tupac, watching him through the summer and Boz, they lived together. Like It was wild that two bucks like this of this caliber were living on each other's heels through September, August, September, and into October. So going in October 11th, that's the night you shot Big Barry. Yep. Going in October 11th, I did a hang and hunt on a historical scrape. I didn't have a camera in this area. Just knew Tupac was living in this area. Okay. Actually, I had more intel on him 400 yards to the south of me, but wind and cover and adjacent to bedding, this is where I felt like I needed to be. And there's been a historical scrape on this beech tree. So I was going to go down there, check the scrape and hunt it. Went down there, got in the tree. Wasn't 15 minutes after getting in the tree. Here he comes. Boom. You know, I misjudged range. Thought he was farther than what he actually was. Didn't even pull the bow back. Had a window that I probably could have shot him out of. Walks out of my life. That was October 11th. Didn't hunt again until October 21st. You know, knowing Kansas was coming up when we were going to be gone for two weeks and having a deer down. Yeah, I wanted to kill another deer, but not going to lie to you. Like, it was just like, okay, I need to hone in on priorities and family stuff and life and My daughter, she's in dance and she's in gymnastics and soccer and basketball. So it's like a lot of running her around too. So October 21st comes around. It was an evening hunt, windy. I was starting to transition to hunt the does. Like getting to that time frame, it's like where the does are, the bucks are going to be shortly behind. Went into an area, sat low, only sat a couple feet off the ground. Saw two bucks. They read the script, came right down, could have shot both of them. Just not the bucks I was looking for. Didn't hunt again until we went to, or no, I did, sorry. Right before, right before we went to Kansas, I had a day that I was hunting this Mr. BB deer um, on a permission piece, and he was showing up a lot. I was glassing him a lot from the road, and my MO in that time is like drive around, find him, go kill him. I had two instances where, I pulled stalks on him and could not get it done for one thing or another. You know, trying to stalk him across the bean field is kind of difficult. But I did go in under the cover of darkness in a bean field, set up in the middle of a bean field one time in the morning and uh, had him show up, but too far away. Couldn't get a shot, nothing like that. Um, And that was it. That was the end of October. And I was like, let's go to Kansas. You know, go to Kansas, have a hell hell of a trip. Sat 16 times you know, all day sits, had hunters walk in on me, three full draws, stuff like that. Learned a lot, had a lot of fun, you know, and had, had a good piece of humble pie and, um, come home, get home. Gun season starts. I didn't hunt again until December 11th. Okay. So gun season ends and there's a deer still living that I'm going Mm -hmm. after. And I'm still, as we as we sit here and talk, I'm still going after him. I mean, I got a few more days to get after him, and I'm still going to try to do that. And I'm, I'm keeping it anonymous because if this does, in fact, happen, this is going to be an epic story. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to be really cool. And I'm trying my, damnedest, trying my damnedest to do it. So, um, But I will say, uh, you know, I took like a month off, like you said, like after Kansas. I didn't hunt. It was literally a month. We got home on like the 12th, and I didn't hunt again until the 11th that next month. And 
Um, gun season just hit different for me this year, man. I didn't care to take a gun. Um, you know, I just, I think I was a little burnt out from Kansas though, too, hunting 11 days straight and just wanted to take a break, you know, and yeah. Thanksgiving's in there, family time. So it's just a time to like kind of reflect and, uh, just let the gun hunters do their thing. Not saying I'll never gun hunt again. Cause I will, but just this year just wasn't in it for me. I just, just didn't have fun with the thought of gun season. So that's kind of where that was at. And, um, got the bow back out, got the new RVX out and still grinding, man. So that's, that's kind of, it's kind of where we're at. Man, I, I love it. You know, we just, we just kind of packed, you know, an entire calendar year somewhat into 60 minutes and it's going to be fun for everyone and us too, to unpack even maybe a little bit more into the, the film you talked about, you know, but it's, it's been a hell of a year, man. And I, I won't lie one bit if I'm already looking ahead to next year, like we talked about, it's a, a blank slate planning new out of state trips, potentially the thought of that Iowa could be on your, you know, front and center for you going in the next fall. That's really fun to think about and, and just, uh, restarting the process all over again. We have a lot of information built up but it's time to go get some new information and just keep building it. But it's a hell of a season, buddy. Congratulations yeah. again. It's been a great year and thank you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing me along the way too. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Congratulations to you as well. And you know, everybody, um, like I said, we, we're going to do the film thing and that's, you know, we're pushing it out till next year because honestly, nobody really gets excited to watch hunting until, September, October timeframe. So I want to get it when everybody's like peak ready for it. And it's going to take some time. This is going to be a beast. I mean, we're talking about a full season of, of stuff that I have to edit on top of like grit that I'm going to be editing too. So it's going to be like very much a nights and weekends type of edit. So, um, we got a lot of stuff that we need to do for it, but I just want to think there's going to be, there's going to be four arrows released and there's going to also be another one, two, three full draw instances in the in one and video. there could be another like, one we're still talking and it's deer season two. like i still have a tag you know and i'm still hunting so there could be another one we'll see i don't know we'll That's, see hell yeah but um i do want to say i want to end it here today's the last episode of 2023 everybody out there listening thank you so much for ha- for having a banger year for us a banner year it's been the best year in this is season six. We're going to be starting season seven next year uh, or, you know, here in a few days. I just want to say thank you because honestly, I still wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for a lot of the feedback that you guys give, you know, the listens that you guys do. And it just, you guys are huge, a huge part of this. And, you know, thank you so much. And I mean, that's the best way I can put it. And, you know, going into 2024, you know, I want to do some more giveaways, talking about some big giveaways with some partners and some, you know, maybe another Garmin. I'd like to see if Prime will come on and do a giveaway possibly and, you know, and Helix and, and Buck Bourbon, all of them. I want to talk to all of them. I'd like to do some more giveaways and give back more to you guys. That would be so huge. So just want to say thank you for uh, an awesome year. Couldn't have done it without you guys. So I'm going to leave it with that. Yep. So I, I second what you said. 
buddy. Thank you for all the listeners. Thanks for every one of you guys that reach out to Aaron and I. Like, I, I don't think people understand how much those messages mean. At least the nice ones, not the mean ones, yeah. just the nice ones. But Keep the mean um, ones ho- to someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, thanks for, you know, everyone following along. And, and uh, we're going to just keep uh, building this thing into something bigger and better and in, in going into the season 24. And hope everyone had a, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And if you're still hunting, good luck. If your season's ending, get ready to restart again here for a brand new year. Yeah, yep, definitely. So thank you guys very much. Have a great new year, like David said. We are going to be coming live to you with episode one of One Giant Mistake next week. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. So thank you guys for a great year. We'll be right here next time on The Fall Podcast. (laughs) 